Hello, and welcome to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. In this podcast, we discuss mystical works of literature and how they relate to recovery. We hope you enjoy today's podcast episode. Hey guys, buddy C. I'd like to welcome Kate and Marla and Cindy and Paul and Craig. Is Craig here from vacation? He just chimed in. He's a yep, con- sun- closer. Yep. yep, sunny Mexico. Sunny Mexico. Oh, nice. And Think, Lala, things were getting so things were getting so bad in Scotland. I had to leave it to come and see us. Ah, oh, okay. And Kirsty, good to have everyone today. Hello. I have a quote I want to share with y'all. This is the uh, this is Francis of Assisi. He was asked uh, how he accomplished so much, and he replied that this may be why. The Lord looked down from heaven and said, where can I find the weakest, littlest man on earth? Then he saw me and said, I found him. I will work through him, and he won't be proud of it. He'll see that I am only using him because of his insignificance. This idea today that I'm seeing in this, and and actually uh, Wayne Dyer talked about this, is allowing rather than interfering. There's this, and I do not, haven't even scratched the surface of understanding this idea of when we interfere, we think we're, we're helping a situation, circumstance, when in reality, um, we're harming, we're not helping, and learning to allow in different areas of our life rather than thinking that we've got to interfere constantly. So that's that's what I see behind this as one thing. And I, if y'all see some other things, please please share. But this one uh, this one has so much depth, and we're not even going to scratch the surface of it. I'm sure. So Kate, you can. Uh, you can read whenever you're ready. All right. So this is the 57th verse. Rule a nation with justice. Wage war with surprise moves. Become master of the universe without striving. How do I know that this is so? Because of this. The more laws and restrictions there are, the poorer people become. The sharper men's weapons, the more trouble in the land. The more ingenious and clever men are, the more strange things happen. The more rules and regulations, the more thieves and robbers. Therefore, the sage says, I take no action and people are reformed. I enjoy peace and people become honest. I do nothing and people become rich. I have no desires and people return to the good and simple life. Second translation. If you want to be a great leader, you must learn to follow the Tao. Stop trying to control. Let go of fixed plans and concepts, and the world will govern itself. The more prohibitions you have, the less virtuous people will be. The more weapons you have, the less secure people will be. The more subsidies you have, the less self-reliant people will be. Therefore, the master says, I let go of the law, and people become honest. 
I let go of economics and people become prosperous. I let go of religion and people become serene. I let go of all desire for the common good and the good becomes common as grass. Third translation, govern your country with integrity. Weapons of war can be used with great cunning, but loyalty is only won by not doing. How do I know the way things are? By these. The more prohibitions you make, the poorer people will be. The more weapons you possess, the greater the chaos in your country. The more knowledge that is acquired, the stranger the world will become. The more laws that you make, the greater the number of criminals. Therefore, the master says, I do nothing, and people become good by themselves. I seek peace, and people take care of their own problems. I do not meddle in their personal lives, and the people become prosperous. I let go of all my desires, and the people return to the uncarved block. Final translation. You can run a country by sticking to principles, and you can win a war with strategy and tactics, but you can gain the entire world by doing nothing at all. How do I know this? I've seen it happen. The more restrictions a nation imposes, the poorer its people become. When a nation hoards weapons, troubles arise from within and from without. When its leaders try to be cunning and clever, the situation spins further out of control. When they try to fix things by passing more laws, they only increase the number of outlaws. A wise leader says to himself, I do nothing and people transform themselves. I keep silent and they do the right thing on their own. I stay out of the way and they prosper. I want for nothing and they lead simple lives. Thank you, Kate. I put the link in the chat, so I'm going to stop the share. Thoughts, Marla? Several. I mean, the the first time I read this, I kept thinking, you know, the first government that I was in was my family, my parents, and how they governed and ruled the family. And um, they happened to be really different in that they kind of led us, I don't want to say raise ourselves, but they didn't have that many restrictions, and so we kind of created our own. And my parents never grounded us, um, never punished us in any way. It was all about how does that make you feel? You know, if you, if you do something wrong, how do you feel about it? You feel like crap. So you never do it again. That's what I first related to. But then this other thing when they talked about, you know, when you, um, about the guns, you know, the, the more guns you have, the more afraid you are, which, of course, I think is whenever there's a mass shooting here, people go out and buy more guns. So that that's my two cents for the moment. Okay. Anyone? Kirsty? <clears throat> um, I think this chapter works on almost every single level from yourself right through to a whole country, whole civilization. So from being with yourself and others, um, if I, I'm just trying to see the translations, but it's almost like if you arm yourself, if you're defensive, then you immediately attract um, hostility from others. 
um, if you try and control other people, immediately that will bring chaos and disorder within your relationships with other people. Um, the more you want money, the more you want to control money, it's almost like the less you have what you want and the more you want. Um, and, I mean, I'm, I'm, I can't, I'm just trying to see if I can find the translations, but it's on those levels and it, and it, works, it works the same on a gov- government, governmental, I can't think of the word, um, in politics as well. Um, and also within armies and within um, different tribes and and um, I think it's the case that if you if you let things be and if you let things go and if you trust in other people and also if you trust in yourself that ultimately everything will be okay and so it again goes back to the art of letting go and letting things be. Thanks, Kirsty. That's good. I had not thought about the mirror part of that. That's real good. Thank you. Craig? Yes. The, um, this is one of those ones where it uses big, word, big words for small pictures. Um, when it talks about countries, you can govern your country. And if you look at your, if you look at your country as your life, your family, your, your intergroups, um, your work groups, um, rather than a, a big picture like um, like like an actual country, uh, if you govern govern your if you govern your life with integrity, if you govern your family with integrity, um, if you want to be a, a leader of your family, um, then you don't do it by force. You do it by you do it with um, with little things. A weapon of war can be used with great cunning. I mean, a, a weapon of war could be your opinion. It could be a strong opinion of something or of someone um, or of what that person should be doing. Um, and I think there's different ways of communicating things to different people as well um, and how other people are receptive to it. So I think by knowing knowing the people that you're with, uh, knowing, knowing their way of life, knowing their foibles, knowing, knowing how, to, how to communicate to them is a massively important thing. And it can surprise you sometimes when you make a suggestion to someone rather than, making a, a, rather than telling somebody um, what they should be doing, maybe suggesting different things to, to the way people are doing. Um, rather than imposing your will, you, you can you can give your opinion. It's like a sponsor sponsor uh, sponsee relationship. Um, a sponsor will never tell you what to do. A sponsor will always make suggestions to you, and it's up to you whether you suggest follow those suggestions. But you know the path of not following those suggestions is normally normally the wrong one. Um, there's there's actually d- different translations in that one as well. Um, the more prohibitions you make. Uh, the more restrictions you put in place, the more people are going to rebel. Um, so there's always the, the there's always room for negotiation. Um, we we had one last night with Callum. Callum doesn't like a shower, and the, the hotel rooms here are all about showers. Um, so we were standing shouting, "I'm getting the shower! You've got to go to the shower!" He's like, "Dad, I'm not going to the shower. I hate showers." Um, and then we were standing in front of a jacuzzi. Not one of us actually thought, you know what, we could run a jacuzzi and you can have a bath in the jacuzzi. Um, but we, we were that focused on the fact that he was going to have a shower and that was it. And it was our way and there was, there was absolutely no negotiations. So he went to bed without a shower. Yeah, he went to bed covered in sunscreen. He's still jet lagged and we didn't take this into consideration as well. So um, 
there's 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 always different ways, and it's not always there's there's, there's not always your way of doing things. There's, there's there's other people to consider into things as well. And I think that's a massive thing. This one, um, the master says, I I do I do nothing, and people become good by themselves. Um, I think that's another thing as well. If we'd have just left Callum to his own devices, he probably would have just got a face cloth and given himself a wipe down because he doesn't like being dirty and covered in grease. So he would have figured it out for himself. And us as parents would have probably learned a good lesson from that as well. And it's the fact that you know, just because just because I like a show doesn't necessarily mean to say that he does. Um, so it's, it's, it's simple, silly things like that, that that can either divide a family or a nation or a workforce um, just by not listening to somebody. Craig, that might work for Callum, but my son would have went a month without a shower. So, it would... <laughs> yeah, um, so yeah, it's all, it's all you know, it all <laughs> on the on the kid, you know. And I was thinking about that. It's funny, Marla. You know, you automatically went to guns. I automatically went to the line of more subsidies you have, the less self reliant people will be. I went to the conservative line in that and skipped the gun line. <laughs> Well, they're both true. But what I also considered was, you know, he's he's saying don't make any, the more laws you make, the greater the number of criminals. But there are laws that we need, you know, like seatbelt laws or helmets. You know, there are laws that we need, you know, otherwise we wouldn't have stoplights or, you know. Well, but I think what he's trying to say, and, and this is the idea, you know, there's a phrase that, or it's, a, it's like a proverb that talks about uh, walls invite robbers. If you have a really nice house, you do not want a big, beautiful gate and all those things. Because what you're doing is you're saying, I have something that you want. So th- this idea of of showing there's a part of that for me of of the showing off part for example they say that if you ever start making money you don't want to buy a car nicer than a lexus in the u.s because anything nicer than that you become a target you start attracting people who will target you for what you have so there's there's some things like that that i was thinking about that when i was reading this you know how how we can um just all the ways, you know, if I'm told that I can't, uh, I think Wayne Dyer talks about this, you know, if you tell your kid, you know, you've got this hard curfew, you've got to be home at midnight, I want to stay out until 11.59. <laughs> you know, well, the idea of rules that we want to push when the rule is there. So I, there's some element of that in this, mm-hmm. some element. I, I, I'm, I'm at a, I don't have my head even close to being around this. Now, the second translation, I think, is, for me, really spoke to me the most. Uh, let, letting go of fixed plans and concepts and the world will govern itself. Uh, that's um, Stephen Mitchell. And he says that that means just as nature regulates itself, without any need of our bright ideas. I think I think also when, when Craig was talking, this it goes on about governing and rules and regulations and the the implication for me is that there is a echelon of, of 
a level that like to impose um, rules and regulations like with the likes of government and there's an it's almost like if if you if you talk to somebody as if they're an ally if you work with someone as if they're an equal and you work with someone rather than directing someone mm-hmm. um then that and i and i i do this with my kids i always look at it from their perspective and talk to them in their language um not that they speak a completely different language but you, you know what i mean um and that way you are almost negotiate you, you're negotiating and you're agreeing with something on equal terms rather than being seeing as this dictator um because as soon as you put that dictator mask on as a wife as a mother um as a manager then immediately you're met with resistance and i know from having very i was a firstborn i was quite difficult shall we say as a teenager um and when i was given when i was given rules i i broke them always broke them um and you know that's the way it was it, it's interesting this is more the more rules and regulations the more thieves and robbers not no rules no thieves and robbers <laughs> you know there's always some but we generate more with the more laws and my father actually did pretty well with this growing up he'd say hey just get home in a reasonable hour want you home by midnight if you can if you're going to be late call me and let me know yeah so i very rarely pushed it i could even uh, uh i would even be home early at times because there was no reason to push so that worked good for me now some kids it wouldn't have worked for no, so you know, and, and I think that's the point is that um, uh, th- this as a you know the other thing that's interesting about this too is he the, the sage is talking about the person who is not how, how to guide the person who's not necessarily following this path. So we're talking about if we're having to lead people who are not on the same path we are how we can still apply this to where it would affect them as well. So, Craig, you have something? Yeah, just, just what Kirsty was saying about the kids, um, speaking a different language, um, and imposing rules, and how, how we impose the rules as well, that there can be subtleties to get kids to do what we, uh, not what we want, but really what they should be doing. There's, um, there's signs around this hotel asking people not to go topless. Um <laughs> And one of these one of these signs is next to the pool at the bathrooms. Um, Does that include the cal- you? That well. Yeah. I know. <laughs> there's a big there's a big sign that says nobody go topless unless it's Craig. <laughs> so Callum goes. Callum gets his his his, um, his pool shoes on and he toddles over to the to the bathrooms and he comes back and I'm thinking there's something wrong and he says, Dad, do I need to put a top on because there's a sign up that says no topless. So I says, no, you'll be fine. It's just asking ladies not to go topless. Um, but I think it's just how he, how he's interpreted these rules. So I think if, as long as as long as we're clear on the meaning of the rules, um, the meaning of the boundaries that have set in place. So if, if Buddy says, yeah, we want you in by midnight, you tell them eleven o'clock, 
in that way. But, but they don't know they've got that. They've got that little bit of play that they can they can maybe push that boundary. And to be honest, it doesn't really matter a jot if they're ten minutes late into that. Um, you can always say to them next time, right? You, 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 if they're ten minutes late, right, you'll be in ten minutes earlier. Um, that's 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 where you've pushed that boundary, and that's that's where we want to go with that. Um, so again, it's not about imposing your will because again, my will is probably completely different to what he actually wants to do. Mm-hmm. And if we do look at things through the eyes of kids. Um, then I, I think our lives as adults will be massively, massively changed. Um, I, was, I was thinking about this yesterday when we were walking along because it came out with some absolutely fantastic things. It, it really is just through the eyes of pure innocence and not knowing any better um, that you think to yourself, you know what, kids are just a perfect example of the way things should be. Um, and I think when they get to a stage or when they get to an age where they start to get influenced by external factors like friends, friends, families, um, I think that's when we really start to lose them, when they start to lose that lose that innocence of thought. And um, But I, I've, I've quite enjoyed the past couple of days just being around them, because we're, we're not around each other a lot. Um, just, just spending these past couple of days, it's just been it's, it's just a massive learning curve. And I know he's a year older, but it's just every year's getting better and better. Um, but yesterday's topless incident was just—it was—it was just a perfect example of the way that they interpret things. Um, yeah, so it's, that's. <laughs> Can you imagine the chaos if women went topless? Which is why they have the signs, obviously. But there, there has to be that rule, that law in place, so there's well, no I'd, chaos. But yeah. why? But why? I did actually—I did actually take that sign down. Because men can't control themselves around women's boobs. But it's because society has put this, you know, because they're covered, there's something to be seen. It's like, you know, if yeah, we on and everybody just had their tits out, it wouldn't have been a big deal. But it's forbidden <laughs> fruit here, so it's like... I remember, well, I, have, I have absolutely no problem with that. I have no issues with that whatsoever, so I took all the signs down last night. <laughs> I like the way you think, Lala. I had old Philip K. Dick wrote a short story once about, um, you know, this guy who had, you know, created these little people and started a community. And, you know, and he said he looked down and all of a sudden they were, you know, cutting and making material for clothes. And he said, oh, happened again. In other words, you know, naturally... This is this is society that puts this all on us, you know. I mean, yeah, for warmth and all that, but I don't know. It's it's. I think it's the forbidden fruit. What what you can't have, you're gonna want, right? You know. It reminds me of a Jeff Foxworthy uh, joke. He said that the you know he was somewhere Daytona somewhere on Fourth of July, and all the women were flashes. One woman was trying to get folks to get her to flash. She was like a 60-year-old woman, and he said, you know, I don't want to look, but I really do, you know, that kind of a, oh, I'm sorry I look kind of thing, you know. And uh, if, if people knew what was really behind the curtain, they wouldn't want to look anyway. <laughs> I mean, it's true. It's like, it's, you know. It's, it's the curtain not, that makes you want to look. See, that's it, the it's whole, very, it's, it's prevalent in Europe. Um, when we were in France, you know, I had to explain to the children there will be there will be women with their tops off, and they found it absurd. They found it absolutely 
absolutely absurd. And I had to explain to them both that grandpa and both grandmas in their heyday, probably even now, go to on the beach. And they were horrified, absolutely horrified. But because I don't do it, they and, and a lot of people nowadays don't do it, obviously for, for you know, sun reasons and damage, you know, reasons. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they, they were quite alarmed to see that some women did have their chests out. That's um, another example of rules, you know. Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> but Lala, men cannot control themselves. But you know what, though, Marla? Constantly, I bet you they would be desensitized. It would be. It, I, I agree with Lala. I agree with Lala. Really? Do you, do you recall uh, reading National Geographic magazines to look at the African women who were topless? Yeah, when I was eight, eight, nine, ten years. Yeah, but, I mean, I've been to beaches when I was in your different places. And, you know, within 10 minutes, you're like, oh, it's just another set of tits, you know, uh, you know, I mean, it doesn't take any time at all to get past that, you know, get desensitized. I mean, I think in New York, they have a women can go topless. And I remember there was a big parade of topless women and it's like, okay, there's a bunch of tits. Like, it's not like, you know, just one woman walking down the street. And quite honestly, most, most you really wouldn't want to see, you, you, you could imagine what they would look like, and then they don't look as good as what you would, you know, it's the, it's the curtain again, you know, it's what's behind the curtain, you know. Paul, you have something? <laughs> no. <I'm just laughs> or you're unmuted. I thought I'm you just enjoying the conversation. <laughs> Nothing. You got my attention. Okay. All right. We, we pass nudist beaches with, with the male equivalent, and trust me. Yeah. No. No, 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 no. That's not something you want to see. <laughs> okay, let's move on. We're we're studying. We're discussing the a little beach chapter of the Dow Day team today. Uh, Sandy, do you have something? Well, my eleven-year-old is having breakfast with me, listening to this meeting, trying to figure out what the hell. <laughs> Sorry, dear. It's okay. It's funny. We had a great conversation. Good. Good. You can, you so, can put your uh, top back on Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> now, ladies, this is not a topless meeting, okay? I just want you to know. <laughs> right, so, you know uh, I'm sorry I couldn't resist. Uh, Cindy, what uh, from last week is now a good time to discuss that? Sure, yeah. I finished chewing. Okay. Um, what? So I didn't really... I don't know if I consciously thought about it at work, but we were talking about like thinking positively about someone like sending them like positive vibes or love beforehand. So it's the beginning of the semester for me. And I had to call the financial aid office, which is usually a very frustrating experience. So like I, I was on hold for 30 minutes before I got to a person and instead of getting aggravated during that 30 minutes, like the closer I got to being the next person in line, like right before when it said, you you know, nobody in front of you, it's like three minutes. I thought, okay, this person on the other end of the phone has just talked to, I don't know how many people this week, because it's the first week of school and they've probably been yelled at by about at least half of those people. Mm-hmm. So I feel bad for them. Like I, I was conscious of the fact that their day was probably much worse than mine. And my question was just one question in probably a string of questions for two weeks straight 
And so I was just really nice to her and I asked her how her day was and I went through the whole thing. And even though I didn't get the answer I wanted, like I had a productive conversation with her. I didn't get frustrated with her. I didn't yell at her. I didn't, I didn't, you know, I was nice, which I'm not saying I'm not usually nice, but I was nicer than I usually am (laughs) when I don't get the answer I want. (laughs) My 11 year old is staring at me to apparently say that I'm not nice when I don't get the answer I want. (laughs) So there's some honesty for you. Just invite your kids to your meeting. So, so you. I'm kidding. Finish your breakfast. So you got the same response you would have gotten, but yet you left without being mad, without being ill. And it kind of, for sometimes that could ruin your whole day if you're not careful. Yes. And she actually gave me information that led me to be able to get to where I wanted. Right. And I don't know that she would have calmly walked me through the whole thing if I had not been calm and had not been polite and friendly with her. Especially if you had hung up on her, you for sure wouldn't have gotten that. Right, right. And Good. my child is saying that because whenever I call AT&T, I lose my mind, which is why I don't do business with them anymore. Yeah. <laughs> Can I just chime in on that? On that? The, um, I had a bill from the Inland Revenue, so from, the, from Her Majesty's Revenue Customs Department, um, mm-hmm. Saying that I hadn't, I hadn't filed a tax return for um, two years ago when I, when I went self-employed with the Taekwondo business, um, and they says that because I was overdue on this tax return, they, they, uh, my, my current penalty was sitting at three hundred pound, and so I owed them three hundred pound for not filing this this tax return. Um, when I phoned the guy, I went in with the expectation of just getting absolutely no help whatsoever, um, and I thought to myself, you know, this is going to be one of those nights where I'm just going to end up getting really irritated, really angry with somebody. So, so I just, I just let go, and I just, I just listened to what the guy had to say. I explained my my situation, um, and it turns out that I was, um, I was like fifteen days early in registering as self-employed. So by being fifteen days early, I actually, I actually owed a full year's worth of tax. Um, but the guy actually explained to me, you can't pay tax if you've not earned something. So what we'll do is we'll, um, we'll cancel the three hundred pound fine on you, and we'll also refund the hundred pound fine that you've previously paid on that account because. You shouldn't have paid it. So my three hundred pound bill ended up being a hundred pound, um, hundred pound gain, um, and it was just through just going in with no expectations and not, not wanting to get wound up because I knew I knew for a fact that if I'd have went, uh, if I'd have went on with the attitude of just, just being aggressive and being negative towards the guy, then I knew I would have got the exact same back, and he probably would have still imposed a three hundred pound fine on me. Um, so I think it is good to go with the attitude of look, you know, how how can you help me? Um, I know we, we always look at how we can help other people, but there's, there's times where the helpers need to help as well. And if there's things that I don't understand, and there's, there's, there's places that I don't know where to go, um, then there's always people there that can guide you. And I, I think it's taking that guidance as well um, and being able to let go of the fact that you don't have all the answers. It's having an open heart with that, right? Pretty yeah, absolutely. Consider it. Well, Cindy, Cindy said it, you know, if – used to the way I would I would hit all those circumstances was it was all about me it was what I needed these people they're all screwing me I'm not going to cuss Cindy because your daughter may be listening you know they're all you know and I'm just blah 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 elf 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 I mean I'm just getting all excited before I even get on the phone with them and then when I get on the phone it's just you know especially if they start with may I know you because I know if they do may I know you that they're either in India or or the Philippines or somewhere and they couldn't care less what my situation is 
And I'll say, no, you can't know me from there. That's not possible. You know, and when I start like that, I might as well just hang the phone up. (laughs) 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 Because I've lost it, you know, and then I'd be ill for the rest of the day. And I'd end up having to call back again because I still needed to fix my situation. So, I mean, it just gets worse and worse. So I tried to take the opposite approach and it works every time because even if I don't get the answer I want, I'm not all in knots like I used to be before. So simple. Acceptance, letting go. But not easy. You're exactly right, Lala. It is. It's letting go. But this idea of how am I interfering rather than allowing, you know, this, uh, in the second translation, he says, I let go of the law and people become honest. I think what that means is um, he lets go of trying to interfere in the law. I let go of economics, quit trying to control, and people become prosperous. I let go of religion, trying to tell people what they should believe, and people become serene. I let go of all desire for the common good, and the good becomes common as grass. <laughs> There's so much there to learn. Uh, I just thought about how I'm interfering rather than allowing in my life, in my family, in my everyday things. Uh, I thought about if I have... Uh, rich friends that try to control their kids with money and their kids are so dependent upon them even all their life. (laughs) That's my mom. Rather than, you know, the kids learning to be independent. And I'm thinking, you know, these kids are not independent at all. They come to daddy every time they've got a problem, even in their thirties and forties. And I'm like, there, there's a, there's a disconnect here. Uh, Somehow, these parents have been enabling and interfering all this time rather than allowing. Um, I don't know. There's just so I'm, I have more questions than answers really about this, you know, but I I also relate it. I'm sorry. I also think, you know, parents, helicopter parents who try to control everything, every moment of their kids' lives. And that, that kid becomes so full of anxiety that they cannot, think for themselves or take care of themselves without having a a parent telling them what and how and when, you know, I've seen that time and time again, the more the parent tries to control the kid's life, the more anxious and, and um, dysfunctional the kid is. Yeah, no, that's, that's my mom to a T and that's kind of at the root of most of my issues is, She's a typical controlling Russian mom, and it's like, you know, you do this, you do this, you go to college, you, you know, and it's like, if you don't play by my rules, you get the guilt trip, you get, you know, and so, I mean, when I went off from my big corporate job, budgeting movies, to start my own company, it was a huge big deal, you know, what, you're leaving this, like, Mm -hmm. you know, made the job and I ended up making like $300,000 in one day on, on a sale. 
don't have it anymore, trust me. But like, it was like, see, like, if I can, you know, do things my way, I can be successful. But yet still, like, in the back of my head, she's, she's there. She's there. And it's like, you know, it's very, very controlling. It creates a lot of anxiety. It makes me, you know, it makes it very difficult for me to make decisions that I know are right just because I'm going to get her disapproval and it's a strong strong connection especially mothers and daughters you know and it creates created a lot of anxiety in me it created a lot of issues for my my other sister it's it's a real it's a real problem and she uses the purse strings like oh come home you know here I'll buy you this house in Virginia you'll work for me on the tax office and what where I am <laughs> you know. But it was something you had to do in order to remember. It was. And eventually yeah. I'm gonna go, you know, once yeah. I have some time, I'm gonna, you know, get back to what do I wanna do? And, you know, yeah. you know, go back go back to that. It's a little but detour. It's a well, it's a strong pull. It's a strong pull of anxiety, this this control with what you want, what they make, what her wishes are for me to do, as well as the purse strings, and yeah, lots of anxiety. Yeah, Cindy, you have I think, I think, I think parents. I do. I, oh, oh, sorry, Cindy, go on. No, go ahead. No, no, no. I think it, it was just saying, agreeing with Lala. I think, I think, you know, I don't know. I'm not really sure whether the same rings true for males, but females and their mothers i mean the effect my mom had on me was so profound that when i'm deciding how to get dressed even if i'm staying in the house in the back of my mind i still have will my mother approve (laughs) when i do my hair i've still got will my mother approve and and trust me when she comes around she will say something to almost acknowledge that she still has that level of um not well it, it's not control i'm nearly 40 for fuck's sake oh, sorry sorry <laughs> um, I, and yeah I, i'm i'm, I'm it's okay she's not in the room anymore uh, i'm i'm 40 in in oh shit a month um and and she still has that she still absolutely has that and i mean i'm trying to wash my hair a bit but my God, it's still it's still there, and it's it's not necessarily about money. It's just this out like you know, being trained to um, project this idea of the ideal um, middle class family to the outside world. And do you know what? That's just not me. Yeah, I'm still doing it and training my children not to do it, which is so 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 hard. It's very very hard. But yeah, I was just saying I agree. Yeah, no, I had a great conversation with my dad yesterday because I was considering taking, and it is a work from home job, so I will be home, but taking a meeting in Charlottesville like an hour away and um, I said, you know, mom's not going to approve of this. She wants me home. She wants me working in the tax office. And he just said, Laura, you're an adult, you know, in the end. And you, and it's almost like you have to retrain yourself to keep telling yourself that, like, I respect you, but I'm going to make this choice. And I think maybe just constantly reinforcing it 
I try. <laughs> I'm not always successful, but it is. I don't know that it'll ever really go away, even when they're gone. Even when they're gone, they're, that voice is still going to be in the back of our heads. We still need them. You know, parents still see us as children. Yeah. So it's partly on them, too. They, you know, we're their children, whether no matter how old we get. So. Cindy? So I was going to say, although I disagree that we always still need our parents. It depends who they are. Yeah. Um, <laughs> that comes with the caveat. But I think the helicopter parenting, for me, it has been a challenge to be able to withstand the pressure that comes from other mothers. To it, Like, I, I didn't realize how much other parents will judge what you're doing with your child. Yeah, well, and that's my attitude, but, you, but it took me a little while. Because in the beginning, as a parent, you're just, uh, for me, I was nervous, and I didn't have a good example to follow. So, you know, I knew what not to do, but I didn't necessarily know what to do. And then as I've gotten through it, I mean, now my attitude is, screw you. You're not raising my kid. But it takes a lot to get there. And I think it comes from where you're making your decisions is my point. Like, are you, are you letting go of it and sort of, I heard this great quote, your children are supposed to come through you, not for you. And I think if more people took that attitude, they would make different parenting decisions. My child does not exist for my existence. I am here to allow her to pass through me to become a functioning adult. And that's my job. And I think the helicopter parenting comes in because people think they have to control the outcome. Mm -hmm. And I, whether I like it or not, know that I can't control the outcome. I can just do my best. And how it turns out is not up to me. Right. Right. Very good. Craig, you have something? Yeah, I think what Cindy's talking about is peer pressure still. We're still, as, as adults, as functioning adults, um, we're still looking at peer pressure and we're still looking for, um, I, I don't really think we're looking for approval from other people, but um, I think other people try to enforce their, their approvals on us. Um, to be honest with you, it, goes, it comes back to this, what other people think is none of our business. Um, we um, we raise Callum the way that we want Callum to be raised, not the way that my parents would raise Callum. Um, we were never given the, the amount of freedom that Callum's got. Um, we didn't have the resources that Callum's got. Um, and it's not because we want Callum to keep up with all his friends. Um, there's a lot of things that Callum doesn't have. Um, but that's because it's, there's, there's certain things that Callum doesn't necessarily need at the moment. Um but as far as um, things like financial independence go, um, Callum's at the stage now where we he's always he's always been financially literate. He's, he's good at maths. He knows the value of money. Um, and if we're making any major decisions, we usually include him in it as well. Um, and it can be a major decision for us can be, um, or a major decision for Callum can be: look, what school bag do you want? This is how much your school bag is going to cost, and this is this is where the money is going to come from. It's going to come from your account. Um, he gets he gets an allowance every month. He gets he gets money for for different various things that he does, um, and it's up to him to spend that money. Um, but he knows that there's there's a limit on that money, and once that money's gone, that's it. There's there's nothing else until that allowance comes back in again. Um, and I think that's a massive thing about parenting these days as well is making kids making kids more independent for themselves. Mm-hmm. 
rather than having the rather than thinking they have the resource to keep covering running back to you to say, look, yeah, I, I need money for this, need money for that. It's it's teaching them to it's teaching them to go without. Um, I think sometimes loving the kids is to teach them that this is this is how it's going to be later on in life. If you don't have it, if you don't have the if you don't have the funds or the resources for it, then unfortunately, you know, you're just going to need to wait for it. Um, I think these these days we always look for instant gratification. I think a lot of it's our fault as well because we've got we've got these smartphones and these devices that can just order things at a whim. Um, whereas beforehand we used to have to wait for our pocket money, we had to wait for the wages to come in. Um, and then we'd actually have to physically go to a shop to get things as well. Um, I think it's about making kids more dependent on themselves rather than on society's demands and needs. It's a, it's a balance, isn't it, Craig? It's learning how, yeah. you know, giving, giving kids the freedom to, to learn these things. And, and us too. Um, and I think enabling comes in here somewhere where you've got an enabling uh, parent or spouse or, you know, when we're talking yeah. about our addiction, you know, when we're talking mm-hmm. about being in recovery, um, those around us that are suffering, are we trying to control them? Are we trying to fix them? Or, or are we giving them the freedom to find the bottom that they need? You know, what is it? Uh, great suffering and great love are our only disciplinarians. You know, same thing for this, I think. You know, it's either one or the other. And we, we've got to give people room to suffer, really, a lot of times, you know, rather than trying to fix everything for them. Um, that's tough. That's tough. And it takes a, a lot of discernment, regardless of the situation that you're talking about. Um, I was looking to see there was one one note in Derek Lynn that I wanted to talk about. He says that we as rulers of our own little kingdoms can, number one, take actions without attachments to specific outcomes. Two, quiet the mental chatter within, within before interacting with others. We talked about that. That's something Cindy just talked about. Three, do only what is necessary without interference. Four, reduce and let go of excessive desires. These are time-tested ideas that work just as well for us as they did for the ancient rulers. We've got to let go. We've got to not meddle in these things. Comments? Marla, anything out of Wayne Dyer you want to talk about this morning? That's a nice short chapter. It is. We've got about 10 minutes. And I liked his verse. I liked his interpretation of the verse. All right. Um, so 57th verse by Wayne Dwyer. Dyer. If you want to be a great leader, you must learn to follow the Tao. Stop trying to control. Let go of fixed plans and concepts, and the world will govern itself. How do I know this is so? Because in this world, the greater the restrictions and prohibitions, the more people are impoverished. The more advanced the weapons of state, the darker the nation. The more artful and crafty the plan, the stranger the outcome. The more laws are are posted, the more thieves appear. Therefore, the sage says, I take no action and people are reformed. I enjoy peace and people become honest. I do nothing and people become rich. If I keep from imposing on people, they become themselves. The essential message in the 57th verse is to allow rather than interfere. 
Now, I don't interpret this to mean letting an infant crawl into traffic or leaving a child alone near a swimming pool. Obviously, you must be sensible when supervising those who could harm themselves or others. Being sensible, what I believe Lao Tzu is conveying here is that allowing is quite often the highest form of leadership. He states that more people are impoverished in societies with excessive restrictions and prohibitions. The same can be true in families with commandments that must be obeyed without question. The more authoritarian any system is, the more outlaws will appear. On the other hand, when children are encouraged to explore and exercise their inquisitiveness, they're inspired to be their best with little need for regulation. So when you change the way you view the need for rules, family members will tend to make decisions based on what's best for everyone rather than themselves. See what happens, for instance, if you drop an absolute curfew time for your teenagers, like your dad did, asking them to be sensible about when they come home and notify you if they're going to be later than normal. Your dad was a Dallas, buddy. Yeah, imagine that. Yeah. Uh, you may find that because you didn't impose yourself hey, on Marla. them. But if it was after midnight and I hadn't called him, my ass was in heavy, big trouble. If <laughs> it was to a point. <laughs> Go ahead, I'm sorry, I couldn't. I had to interrupt. You may find that because you didn't impose yourself on them, they end up coming home even earlier than when they had a strict curfew governing their conduct. Examine the restrictions that you enforce in your family. Remember that effective parents don't want to be leaned on. They want to, be, to make leaning unnecessary. After all, you want your children to be responsible, healthy, successful, and honest, not simply because you're there to monitor them, but because it is within their nature to do so. So set an example. Let them see that it's possible to be self-sufficient and enormously successful. Allow them to learn to trust in their highest nature rather than having to thumb through a rule book to decide what's right. Hey, Mara, hold on. Isn't this really for not only for parents to children, but any relationship? Yeah. Effective parents don't want to be leaned on. They want to make leaning unnecessary. Yeah. That's really it. You know, that's. It's like a friendship that is not codependent. Yes. And I was thinking about my husband as I read this because my daughter's on her own. You know, I'm leaving for a month, and he depends on me for so many things, you know, and it's unfortunate. So he'll have to starve and do his own laundry. <laughs> so. We forget how to do laundry, Marla. It's it's Aww. amazing how that happens. You know, I did my laundry for years, and then I got married, and my wife so I said, oh, my God, I forgot how to do the laundry. What do I do? You know, you got this little moment of panic when I'm, a, you know, and I'm like, wait a minute. <laughs> Why am I panicking about the laundry? Yeah. Come on, buddy. You know, it's, it's crazy how soon we digress. You know? Yeah, yeah. I'm going to, he's not going to starve. He knows how to order pizza. Oh, good. So, my dad is useless without my mom. When she was getting a radiation in New York, I literally cooked him dinner every night for two months. It's like he does, I, I don't think he would even eat if it weren't for her. So that's generational. My My dad couldn't function without my mom either yeah they were dependent and then the women 
back then probably, well, not your time, but the time before, didn't work, so they depended on them for finances. It's a different world now, thank God. Yeah, it is. They go back. Yeah, I mean, women don't have to have kids. Women can have a career. Men are metrosexual and know how to cook and, you know, shop. <laughs> Sometimes they cry. Oh, <laughs> next, next you'll be walking around topless. topless too. <laughs> I have to read the last. Go ahead. All right. Well, they're, they're, it's all good. Go ahead. Read what you want, Marla. It doesn't right. matter. Practice the art of allowing others. Catch yourself when you're about to cite a rule as a reason for saying no to a child or someone you supervise. And instead, consider the ramifications of saying nothing and just observing. When you change the way you look at your role as a leader, you'll find that very few edicts are necessary for people to conduct the business of their lives. Everyone has a strong sense of what they want to do, what limits they have, and how to actualize their dreams. Be like the Tao, allow others, and enjoy how your non-authoritarian leadership inspires them to be themselves. Do the Tao now. Make time to do something you've never done before. It could be walking barefoot in the rain, going topless, taking a yoga class, speaking before a group at a Toastmasters club, playing a game of touch football, jumping out of an airplane in a parachute, or anything else you've always wanted to do. Recognize that you've created restrictions for yourself that keep you from new and expanding experiences. And find the time now to close your personal rule book and plunge in where you've never before wandered. Also, make time to give those in your charge an opportunity to do the same, enjoying how much they accomplish with minimal or no action on your part. I love letting go of my rules and restrictions of being fearful. I'm never going to jump out of a plane, but I'm pretty scared about going to India by myself. But I'm not going to be stopped. That's good, Marla. Hey, I, I want to ask you guys if you would. I'm going to do this. I'm going to take some time this week in my meditation, and I'm going to think about the restrictions that I've placed on me, the unnecessary restrictions that may be, may be limiting me. Um, this rule book, this unwritten rule book that I've decided to live within for whatever reason, rules that maybe I was told growing up or rules, whatever rule, wherever they came from. But just think of uh, meditate on on ways that that uh, that that thinking should change, and those some of those rules I should just surrender. I'm, I'm going to think about that this week. If you guys do the same and see if you have any uh, enlightenment <laughs> from that, maybe. My first box was I can't possibly live without drugs and alcohol. Yes, I can live without them. Yes, but if I can let go of that. This person can let go of that shit. I can. I think I can let go of a lot of other restrictions. We have so much, so many little self-imposed things within our thinking that we may not even be aware that we have. You know. Yeah. 
that's part of that surrendering, just learning not to even interfere in our own life. You know, that's where this really starts is that we, you know, we tell ourselves, no, how often do I tell myself, I can't do that. That's not possible. Why? Why is that not possible? Why can I not do that? Hmm. Mm -hmm. Comments before we close? Everyone, Craig? I think we just, I think we just said is, is getting out your self-limiting beliefs. And I think a lot of the, a lot of the things are ingrained in us from, from early childhood. Um, from what we've heard from my parents, you can't do this, you can't do that. You know, you, you're not going to be good enough to do this. You, you'll never be good enough to do that. I think it's getting out of that mindset. Uh, just, just having that, having that shift of mindset. Um, what Marla was just saying about drinking and drugs. Um, you know, you can have the conversation with yourself. You know, this, this is why I drink. And if you just have that subtle mindset shift and it becomes a question, this is why I drink. Um, so I think it's good to get out of that mindset and out of that self-imposed box. So, yeah, that's a great exercise, buddy. And then, you know, from there, how are we interfering in our, the people's lives around us? You know, how are we interfering rather than allowing? And then just let it expand from there. And just ways that we used to interfere, how can we open our heart and just let it be? Stop the interference. Good stuff. There's no more comments. You guys have a fantastic week. We'll see you next time. Hello, this is Buddy C. I wanted to make you aware of several recovery-related resources that I've posted in the episode description. These resources include a list of recovery podcasts, a free sober meditation app, daily recovery email, shared Google recovery calendars. Hope you put some of these resources to use and have a great week. Thank you for listening to the Tao of Our Understanding Recovery Podcast. If you enjoyed this episode, please share it with your friends in recovery.